Happy holidays, and welcome back to the Addictive Pod. My name is Adrian, and I have a story for you today that I hope will inspire you to continue in recovery or to start for the first time. My guest struggled with feelings of worthlessness and anxiety, and when she discovered alcohol at 14, it became her solution. Drinking escalated in her teens until she had a near-death experience and asked for help at age 20. In this episode, we talk about how the 12 steps can change your life, why it's so hard but so important to turn over your willpower in step three, and how life keeps getting better even eight years sober. Please join me in welcoming Mackenzie Kiesel. Mackenzie, welcome to the Addictive Pod. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I have a couple things in common with you. I uh, work with kids with disabilities, with um, kids with autism. And I was also super young coming into recovery. So we have those two things in common, which is, oh my God. Uh, they're both kind wow. of both pretty rare, I would say. They are. Wow, that's really cool. We'll have to yeah. talk more about uh, about that. You'd working with um, children with disabilities. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Well, it was in, I think it was uh, one of the fruits of recovery, I would say, wanting to get into psychology, wanting to work with uh, people in addiction. And then mm-hmm. I kind of fell into this job um, accidentally. But did you always want to be a teacher or did that also come out of recovery? No, I didn't actually. I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. And I um, totally fell into my career. Um, literally fell into it about, uh, I'd say four years ago, I went to school, I I studied psychology. Um, I knew I wanted to do something. I didn't know if I wanted to practice like family law, I really was interested in law school, um, or being like a therapist or something like that. And then um, I don't know, I was led to working with children with uh, special needs. particularly autism. That was my first teaching job. And wow. I fell in love and, and now here I am. But yeah, that's like a perfect example of how I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of <laughs> go with it and trust that I don't know what I'm doing. You you love what you're doing, though, as long as you love what you're doing. And I do. Yeah, nobody, I, I do. Nobody I'm very knows what they want to do it. when they're younger. No, so it's all good. It's overrated if you, if you do. When did you first start to realize that you might have um, an addiction or that you might be struggling because I know that so if you come into if you come into 12 steps and you come into recovery when you're when you're 20 did it was there a long period of time that you were struggling or was it was it more in your late teens that things started to get bad it really progressed in my late teens I was 14 when I had my first drink and just kind of backstory um Growing up, I, you know, always felt different, weird, insecure, um, you know, always kind of like conformed to different friend groups. Like I didn't, I hated who I was um, from a very, very young age. And I just never felt comfortable. And then um, addictions in my family, very, very prevalent uh, in my family and kind of always had this perception of an alcoholic and drug addict, right? And I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to be that. And um, I, when I was 14, I had my first drink and it was the most incredible feeling in the world. I was 
it was like I literally had arrived and it was not a normal first drunk. I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of people have weird ones, but um, I drank my first time I drank for the sole purpose of getting obliterated at 14. And so right away, like I knew that um, right away, I knew that that was definitely weird compared to yeah. like my friends. Um, and then I didn't drink too, too much, um, you know, like 14, 15, 16. I, you know, just tried to get straight A's in high school. I was like a perfectionist. And just um, when I did drink, um, I like blacked out or I got in trouble. It was just like never normal. Whatever normal teenage drinking looks like, I right. definitely like that was not me um but then it wasn't until um like 17 really like 18 and 19 were like the worst years of my life and my um my alcoholism progressed so rapidly that like i would not have survived another month honestly um the way i was going and it's just so wild to see like being in recovery um now and like just hearing people share like you know the the damage or like the pain that people have gone through for 20 30 years it's like i lived that yeah. i lived that too and like i got to that same place but it was just at 20 you know it was at 20 years old going back to 14 going back to your first drink what were you trying to escape from why were you trying to kind of get obliterated and and numb out did, was were you consciously aware at the time that you were trying to do that and that there was something you were escaping from? Yes. Um, I, I grew up, um, my parents divorced when I was really young. I was four. And um, I just, from a very young age, just never really felt like consistency or like stability, right? And, mm. and um you know, I have wonderful parents, um, but it was it was hard, like being little and like just the constant going back and forth and then mixed with uh, my mom, who's 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 in recovery now, but um, was an active alcoholic and addict for for my whole upbringing. And um, that was really difficult for me. I took on this role of I needed to be OK, like I need to be perfect. I needed to um take care of things right like right. i needed to show up and just i took on this role that was just really um impossible to fulfill and um with that just came a lot of like repercussions of just um just feeling so insecure and um never feeling good enough uh, always comparing to my friends or just it just a lot of um lack of self-worth really so like like i said when i when i found alcohol it was like wow i can be whoever i want to be do what i want mm -hmm. and i i mean i feel incredible like it just mm -hmm. it, you know it's just like that responsibility that i put on myself like was lifted um and no one put that responsibility on me like i have wonderful parents you know that were really um never like criticize my like my grades like this was me like i've been my own worst enemy for like 
my whole life really. And that, mm. that has, that has left, that's been one of the gifts of being sober is, um, you know, letting, letting a lot of that go. I can really relate to the perfectionism for sure. I think that it puts so much, pr- uh, stress and pressure on a young person to almost set those ideals for yourself, set those expectations for yourself. And then if you ever fall short of any of them in any way, you're not good enough and you don't belong and you won't be accepted. Right. And that sort of internal dialogue is so painful. And yeah, yeah, I think alcohol, any addiction will, will numb that out and it will, it will give you some relief temporarily. But what started to happen? How did, did it start to lose its effect? And then you started to have to drink more or what happened in the later teen years? That's exactly, exactly what happened. Um, I, was in college, uh, my fresh my freshman and like the uh, the first half of my sophomore year. I got sober in December of um, twenty thirteen, so I was halfway through my um, my sophomore year. So those that and I went away to school. Um, I wanted to uh, go to a big party school far away, and um, I totally lost my shit i lost it um i um really like all those feelings of that i had since i was a kid just got worse and worse and um i Mm. drank to just literally not feel and um i started to you know fail classes lose friends um my whole world was really crumbling. Literally, I was getting in trouble, um, really bad trouble with, um, you know, the law and my family. And, um, you know, I, I always share this story because it's, I think, really important. Um, if you're new or if you're young listening to this, like I was, it was probably around this time of year, um, you know, like fall, winter, uh, right before I got sober. And I was with, in my apartment, um, you know, drinking with my friends. We were pre-gaming a party. And at this point, I was like, I didn't even want to go to parties. I wanted to isolate. I wanted to, you know, just stay home and drink and black out. Um, Like you mentioned, like I was taking a disgusting amount of alcohol for me to, um, to, get what yeah, I you were building up it. tolerance then, you were building up yeah, yeah tolerance and then it. that like and I was making it was killing me I mean it was literally making me physically ill um and so this one night I I um you know my friends were all getting ready to go um the cab came to pick us up to go to the party we're leaving and I say to my friends you know like you guys go ahead um I'll, I'll be right there and I went back into our apartment um alone and I went into the kitchen and there was um, a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels honey whiskey. And I'll never forget taking the bottle and chugging, chugging it. And then putting it back down on the counter and looking at it and thinking, I'm gonna die. Like this is, this is not normal. And I'm in a lot of pain and um, I don't remember anything for the rest of that night, but that, and that wasn't uncommon, but I just remember that moment 
thinking like I hadn't even turned 20 yet. I was still like 19 and I was completely broken. And um, it's just, I don't know. I can't believe I'm alive. (laughs) It never gets old, really. It really never gets old to me that, um, you know, I was given a second chance. So sorry, I think I went way off. You were totally on. You were totally on. That's what I want to talk about. I think Just keep telling me that. <laughs> I think that you you get so used to telling your story and you get so used to sharing the same thing that maybe you forget how important it is or how inspirational it can be because a lot of people experience that a lot of people have similar moments with uh, substances or with alcohol and then and have another one you know and then have that same experience again and they can't figure out why and they can't figure out how to get out of that cycle and so you get to be here and you get to talk about now now that we've covered what happened now we get to talk about what your life is like now and how you got through that and how you transform from that because you don't just go from a broken person with alcohol to a a broken person without alcohol you have to become that whole healthy person you have to enjoy you have to appreciate who you are and care for yourself and build that self-esteem so what actually backing up before before we jump into that Mm -hmm. what was the last time that you drank when was the very last straw for you where you decided this was this needed to stop was that the night no um I did a lot more damage in a few months. <laughs> that was um, unfortunately not not the last time. Um, but my last drunk is something I do talk about um, because it is very important, a very important part of my story um, and how, you know, I really believe that something greater than me wanted me, wants me to be here. and. Um, so I came home from college um, my sophomore year. It was December, literally around this time. I'm, I'm coming up on my anniversary. Um, and I came home from school and I like, I mean, it was, it was, I was a mess. I was dying, literally dying. And, it, and my family was worried um, and no one knew, you know, what to do or what to say. It was like, this isn't normal, but she's in college. Like what the heck's going on? My mom um, was so as was in you know recovery at this time, thank God. So she was able to kind of when I came home, like I I I, I hid it very well from my family, really how bad it was. Mm. Like I was gonna that ask that what your mom semester. thought about it and how she reacted to it. Yeah, she kind of knew was piecing a lot together, but then when I came home, physically home to New Jersey, they were like, "Oh my God, like this is not." Okay. And, um, I went, it was, it was winter break and, um, a few of my friends here, you know, in town that I grew up with were like, you know, let's go out to dinner. And it was funny. Cause I was actually, I was sick. Um, and I was like, no, actually I'm going to like stay home. I'm not feeling too, too good. And then as the day went on, I'm like, you know what? Like, I feel like drinking. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm like, let's go. So we go to dinner. Um, It starts, you know, 
you know, normal sushi dinner. Um, my friends, we had like a bottle of wine. Keep in mind, I'm 20 years old. I had just turned 20. So we're like, we're drinking normally. And um, all it took was, you know, one, maybe two glasses of wine. And, you know, that obsession, like, once I started, I couldn't stop. Um, I didn't always like I didn't totally drink every single day. But once I started, I there was no off button. My I was physically mm-hmm. addicted. And so that's what happened. So we, we you know, we drank at dinner. And then we went um, to a bar after and I got us kicked out of that bar because I tried to start a fight, which was very common of me. And um, then we went to, um, you know, another bar. And by this point, um, I don't remember anything. And I, um, I went home with, um, you know, a, str- a stranger to me, a random person, um, friend of a friend, a, a guy. And I, um, we were... Basically, I jumped out of his car and, um, oh, wow. you know, it was kind like of while he was driving on, to his place. Yeah, sort of. It was I was it was all like totally me. I mean, I was like a mess. I was crazy. I was like out of my mind and he didn't know like what to do. And it's, you know, it's not um, not his fault, like at all. Let me just say that it was a really messy situation. But I ended up out of his car on the side of the road alone in the middle of the night with two, three feet of snow on the ground. It was like seven degrees. And I, I wanted to kill myself. And um, I called my mom in a complete blackout. Cause I, I mean, I guess I, I mean, it subconsciously, and you know, I knew she was sober and I told her, I told her I'm on, um, I told her the road I'm on. And if, and if you know, you know, where I live, like river road runs through like and this is an important part of the story. It's like this, this road runs through like seven towns. And I just told her the road I was on. And I said, um, you know, I'm in pain. And um, basically that I, I was going to jump in front of the next car that went by. And I hung up. Um, and thank God my mom um, was sober. And, you know, she got in the car and something told her like to turn left and she started driving and um, she found me and it's a miracle. And this is one of the ways, you know, um, you know, God worked in my life where, you know, he, he knew, he knew, he knows what um, is best for me because Mackenzie's plan was, was to die that night. And I didn't, I actually laid in the snow and, um, started to go unconscious and my mom found me on the side of the road and um i woke up that next morning um on december 19th and my mom was sitting at the foot of my bed and she wasn't mad she wasn't you know all she said was you never have to feel this way again and i said okay it was like i had all those feelings of like the pain the humiliation the just the that ache like waking up in the morning except this time was different because there was like this like smidge of hope like very 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 minute but it was enough um 
because at that moment I agreed to go to any lengths because maybe maybe I didn't want to die. So yeah, was, you had a was my you, last you had draw. a mini yeah. you had a mini step two realization of almost almost yeah. believing right almost believing that you yeah. could be restored to sanity and come back from that ledge that you were gonna jump off of and. I just it blows my mind every time I hear a story like this and I or even if I think of my own story where if it wasn't for that person if it wasn't for your mom recommending that to you and being there for you as somebody to ask how many more years would it have taken right how many how many more experiences like that or maybe you wouldn't have made it another year it's it's terrifying oh to think I don't think I would have made it another week I mean like yeah. that's how and I was starting like I'm not mentioning like all the shit I was doing in between, like just like literally just like leaving parties or leaving things, like putting myself in like really, really dangerous situations that I could have died, not because I wanted to, just because just randomly, was yeah. just randomly. I mean, I put myself in really bad situations. Like that's why I mean it when I say like, I cannot believe I'm alive. I really can't. Mm -hmm. And that just doesn't get old. It gets like, I don't know. It's just wild. It gives you it gives you a different level of gratitude, I think. When you yeah. come that close to death and when you really have a sense of what that might have been like or a sense of how close you can come and then come back to life and sort of get another chance yeah. at life, it's just completely different. It's completely different. You'll oh never have the same attitude again. Never, never. Yeah. And like I... I, and I talk about that. I talk about that a lot. Like, what a gift, you know, to to have gone through that. And that's why I think people in recovery, you know, not that we're better off or different than people not, but it's like, once you we're better gone off, to Mackenzie. Hell, let's just <laughs> we are, we're better than you. <laughs> we're just better um, than other people. <laughs> I think. Like, I mean, I think so. You said it. Um, <laughs> I'll take the heat for this one. Um, something about really, you know, not wanting to live anymore. Um, and then being given this incredible second chance. Like I refer to it as bonus time, you know, like it's, it just puts things into perspective and it's just, it's a gift. It's like a sixth sense or something. I don't know. I saw this TikTok the other day and it was just this guy with text over him basically saying like two people forgot to use a condom 22 years ago and now I have to work and pay bills. <laughs> and I know it's a joke and I know like yeah. it just pissed me off because a yeah. lot of people have that attitude. And I had that attitude for a long time as well, where it was like, yeah. I didn't choose this. I was forced. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like we're the victims. Yeah. We're the victims. Like the, the world sucks and and the world owes me something right it, it owes me i have the right to this this and that because absolutely it's just ba it baffles me that people have that attitude and have such a lack of appreciation for this gift and and a lack of perspective on how lucky they are especially in first world countries i mean come on it's just it's crazy oh, yeah. to me crazy to me oh my um, god we have it so good and it's it's do. funny um clay and i have this joke like whenever something really dumb like it's like a like maybe it's a big deal I guess to other people but not it's like oh of course like of course I 
of course I need to get gas on my way to work. Oh my God. Great. Like this would happen. (laughs) Are you kidding me? And it's, it's just so funny and it's so true where it's like, what a problem to have. Yeah. My phone running out of battery. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. I can't. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Like, oh my God. Like I just spilt my coffee. I just, I just bought. God. Life sucks. Life sucks. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. So, okay, I gotta I gotta ask you about this because it's an experience that I've had and I don't get to talk to many people about it, but tell me about being so young in twelve step groups and coming into that room and asking for help and seeing a lot of older people there. What's going through your head at the time? How do you how do you get through that? The first meeting recovery meeting I walked into my mom took me I literally walked in and it was my mom was leading it and it was like eight old men I kid you not and I walked in and if you could it was like one of those like cartoons where I was like and then I was like and my mom was it's like no one can see me right now I totally just acted that out but it was like how fast could I get like out the door I was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. never mind never mind never mind yeah and my mom was like no I'm like fuck I can't do this are you kidding me I'm forever like um and then it was just spinning I'm like I'll figure it out I just won't drink I I got this like anything but this like no 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 and um you know I ended up sitting down and um actually um, a girl walked in to the meeting who ended up being my best friend in recovery, um, who, uh, really helped me. She was young. She had like four months sober at the time, which to me was like, oh my God, four months was crazy. And, um, thankfully for her, like she brought me to like young people's meetings and, um, it really helped for me being so young, a few things I have to say. Um, number one, like, it's very important. And this is like a advice, I guess. Like, I could have easily walked into recovery and, and seen all these people and, and heard all these stories like, oh, I have, you know, three failed marriages. I lost this job. I lost my house. I lost my kids. I lost, I could have easily been like, that ain't doesn't me. apply to me. That's, but it was um, important for me to realize where I was as a twenty-year-old. Of course, like I didn't have any of that to lose. Of course, I didn't lose any of that. But as a twenty-year-old in college, what did my life look like? And it was falling apart. I was losing everything that mattered to me, everything. And once I kind of grasp that concept luckily early on you know it was I mean the rest is history like really Mm -hmm. I just that was important and then really um surrounding myself with young people that were happy that really I needed that you know um of course I like made friends with um you know older people young like everyone but it, it really helped that I surrounded myself with young people um because we ended up having a blast i turned 21 in in sobriety i like um just a lot of but it 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 can be scary and i remember too i think i had like three days 
And I remember just sobbing to my mom, like, oh my God. Like once I started to really understand recovery and like what my life was gonna look like, right? Um, I was like, oh my God, like I'm never gonna be able to drink at my wedding. I'm not gonna be able to, um, you know, all these things, just so future tripping. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, you're not there one day at a time if you can't do that one minute at a time right now and now it's like she was right because and and then she also said which really helped is like you will not feel this way forever this too shall pass and Mm. looking at my life now it's like i couldn't imagine i'm not married but like i couldn't imagine drinking on my wedding day it's like how crazy like my perspective of everything changed but how I understand that, how daunting that that can seem like forever, but just one minute at a time. And and it just like, once my life started to get better, you know, and I started to like actually like myself and then come to love myself Mm -hmm. and forgive myself, alcohol just, okay, can't drink. It was killing me. How do you get there though? Like what, what practically helped you? And I guess we could talk about the steps or we could talk about um, whatever it was that really made the difference for you. But how do you get from feeling like you're uncomfortable in your own skin, feeling like you don't belong, being a perfectionist, to then having that self-esteem and, and self-care and enjoying your life? Um, it was honestly, and this has been a practice. Like, to be honest, I'm I'm you know, coming up on eight years sober, and I think I have done the most work and have grown the most in this last year, to be honest. Um, I did come a long way. I mean, at at first, I, you know, um, did a lot of work, worked the steps. Um, You know, I uh, went to meetings, um, you know, just, I also, you know, I have to say it, like, I, um, did go to therapy. I needed some outside help um, for the first like few years of my sobriety. That was really important um, for me as well. Just with, I had a lot of things I needed to kind of go back and deal with um, processes, you know, when I was a kid. Um, but it really wasn't until this year, um, beginning of this year, where I you know, I was seven, I celebrated seven years sober last December and I hit like, I wouldn't call it a bottom in sobriety. It just more like a, why is life still kind of hard for me, right? Like why, why are the promises that they talk about in recovery? Like, why aren't they coming true for me? Like, why do I still struggle and like get resentful and like get, you know, not that I don't now, but it was just like, why are like, something's missing. And um, that was when I went back and I did the work and I went through the steps again. And um, this time though, I really, I mean, it really comes down to, um, I didn't totally surrender my, my will to God, really. Mm. I was still trying to run the show in sobriety. So what does that look like? Like, what would you be doing? Like, if you're comfortable talking about it, like, were there specific yeah. areas where you're like, wow, this is totally my self will, and I need to hand it over? Yeah, totally. I was, um, 
you know, just trying to like do what was just trying to like orchestrate like all my relationships, like because my motives were good, right? And I'm like, yeah, but I know what's best. Or like, why isn't this happening to me? Or like, I think I need like this job or like, I think I need, and then just getting pissed when I wasn't getting my way, you know? And like, mm-hmm. it just, I don't know. It really came down to like, not, not surrendering to God and really like, mm-hmm. and not just surrendering and like turning my will over sometimes, or like when the shit hits the fan after I've tried it, but like doing that first, you know, like God goes in first and then I follow, you know, like how can I be, I mean, a lot of it comes down to too, is that I, um, I was still living in a lot of self, you know, and a lot of it came from fear, fear of like not being in control. And, um, now it's like today I just try to every day. It's like, God, like, how can I be useful? What does that look like today? Um, how can I get out of self? Um, you know, like, he's my um employer like that's Mm -hmm. uh, like simple as that i'm his employee um how do you want me to be you know in this conversation in this relationship in this circumstance and um that's not you know i can go to recovery meetings and talk a great talk right and then i can come home and then just be a complete asshole to my family it's (laughs) how can i live spiritually fit in every room of my house and every relationship in and out of sobriety how can i be useful to my family like like it that's the hardest like that's the real test not like how can i treat people in recovery or like how good can i share today it's like what am i doing you know like how am i how am i how am i really living you know this program like so that's that was a huge um you know a huge realization for me this year and not to say like i mean i grew a lot like these last seven years you know my life has become um amazing you know this this, in these last almost eight years but really um something was kind of really missing for me and maybe Um, maybe you'll say the same thing next year right there's no there's no knowing what the different levels are of this thing which is what's so cool right it's i heard one speaker talk about we're we're taking a thimble to the ocean you know we're like we're going to the ocean with a thimble and taking a little bit and being like yes i have recovery it's just endless like it's this massive thing that we get to experience and it just gets better like i'm an alcoholic like i need this to get better otherwise i'm not gonna stay (laughs) you know it's like i it just gets better and we're greedy we're greedy motherfuckers like we gotta (laughs) i know i i are you kidding me like it just it's yeah (laughs) Yeah. And that's been, that's been my experience is it just gets better. You know, when I think I can't get happier, I get happier when I think I can't feel closer to God. I feel closer to God. It's like, if you were to pick one step, obviously they're all important, right? Obviously you got to do all 12. It's 12 step program for a reason. If you were just to pick one and, and just one made the biggest difference or, or just one, uh, was a recommendation you'd make, what, what would you choose? three turn your rule and life over Um, yeah yeah made a decision so it's an action made a decision to turn my will and my life over to god as i understand him and that's every day every minute of the day 
all day long and I don't do it perfectly at all. I fall short. I fuck up. I'm a human, but, um, mm-hmm. I, I, but I strive to do it as best as I can. And that's, um, you know, it's just, I don't know what I'm doing. Like left to McK- like McKenzie's show is a circus. It people mm-hmm. get hurt. People get confused. I get hurt. I get confused. Um, yeah, step three. I mean, they're all all important, but really, like you're cheating because that kind of encapsulates all of the steps, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, if I you mean, do it is. Step your three will is... life over. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything. Yeah. Good answer. Good. Good choice. Um, <laughs> how do you? This is something I'm curious about with people who've been in recovery for longer periods and who have have gone through different phases of recovery because I think that an initial phase in recovery is where you kind of turn over all your thinking to your sponsor and to members in the group at least in my experience you kind of don't trust yourself at all and you just you hand it over and kind of put blind faith in something else which works which is effective for a time do you find now that you trust your thinking more or that, and that you have your own intuition or your own wisdom or how do you how do you find that balance and how do you find that um, experience of needing to go to others versus coming to your own realizations or making your own decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought this up um, because this is such a misconception. Um, I believe in, and um, you know, my program of recovery is, is um, one of the promises in that they is we will come to rely upon our thinking, you know, we'll become to trust it. We'll become, we literally come, God gave us brains to use, right? Like we literally come to rely upon our thinking. And, you know, as much as I think like early on, like, you know, I, in getting a sponsor, I mean, it's so, I don't know how, what works best for anyone else but me. So all I can share is my experience. Um, for sure. But now it's like, I believe my program is between me and God. And I know I I work my program as best as I can. And one of the gifts that I've been given as a result of that is like my intuition that I can trust. So um, I do trust my thinking today. Um, I do talk to lots of people and um but like I said it's not to say that I don't need help like of course um but I know now like I'm very aware when I get in fear you know or something comes up and I I I don't really know what to do you know first I ask God point me you know just show me what to do and sometimes that's calling someone and talking about it um, someone who, um, you know, I trust. And, um, and that's another thing is like, I could easily call if I want to get an answer, I'll get it. Like, I'll find that person that'll give me the answer that Mackenzie wants, you know, but right. I surround myself. You can be selective. I surround. Oh yeah, totally. I've learned that. I did it. Um, I live that way, but it's important that I, I really pick people that, um, you know, I respect their, their program and their, and I value their, um, you know, their input and their experience. And, um, but I do feel that 
I can trust my thinking today. Um, and it's, but it's a result of doing the work, you know, of, um, not being in, in self or like having selfish motives, then I can't trust my thinking. Then it's all fucked up. But if I know like I'm living out of self and I'm doing the best that I think God like wants me to do, you know, it's, I, I, I trust it. No more stinking thinking. Right. It would be a terrible program if the solution was just to completely give up your thinking and rely on other people. And every single day you call up somebody and they give you directions for the day. And it would it would just be this bizarre uh, manipulative program. And that's not what it is. And I think that you oh. are a testament to that. You're a testament to you're an example of somebody that, yeah, you, you start to develop that. You start to develop your intuition. You start to develop how you're going to be of service. And in that realm of being of service, you can make all kinds of decisions and all kinds of intuitive things will pop up. And I, I'm i so excited for you for the next uh, next eight years. So you, we'll, we'll do another episode in eight years and see where you're at then. You'll probably <laughs> say the last episode was complete bullshit and you'll, <laughs> you'll say something big was missing i'm sure and i will too because that's yeah. it's part of the process and i think that's that's so cool it's been awesome having you on the show and thank you so much is there anything that i missed that i didn't ask about that you've just been dying to talk about that that you really want to share with somebody who's just getting sober who's just discovering how to get through this what would you want to share <clears throat> just you know, everything's okay. You know, it's one minute at a time really helped me in the beginning. And just know that there is a solution. You don't have to feel this way anymore. Um, and, you know, life doesn't have to be a struggle. Um, and it's just, there's a way out and it's beautiful. It's better than, better than um, a life beyond my wildest dreams just to put it as simple as that so thank you for having me thanks so much Mackenzie enjoy the rest of your day it's been awesome having you on and I look forward to talking with you more thank you so much Adrian thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the addictive pod if you want to stay up to date with the podcast my Instagram is at addictive podcast and new episodes are coming out every Wednesday for Mackenzie's Instagram, I have it in the link below. She's also on a blog, she's been on other podcasts, and comes up with a lot of amazing content for the recovery community. That's all for me this week, and until next Wednesday, remember, we recover together. <laughs>